Okay, Boker Tov, good morning. We're here at Kilat Shiftei Yisrael, studying Sefer Shoftim, Perek Yud Gimel of Sefer Yoshua. I will just mention, uh, last night we did a barbecue all the way down south, far down south, past Yerucham, in a base called Bislach, uh, where there was a plugav chayalim, one of them from our own community, um, who were called up again to go into Ta'aza. And we, the reason we did this barbecue for these 140, 160 chayalim was because they had thought that they were, they, they came out only six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and they thought they'd have another three months. And now they were called them Otsei Shabbat, going back in. And uh, it's hard, really, you know, hard, but they, they all showed up to Miluim, which is just incredible. And um, really, really powerful. One of them even, one of them even I flew back from... New York, like right in time to, to join again his group of soldiers before they go in. Uh, he, he lives in Pomona, New York. Pomona, New York. Um, there was another chayal that I met there, Malkiel ben Yosef, who there's this famous story, and there are many stories, but he was davening mincha facing towards Mizrach, towards Yerushalayim, and his chayalim, the, the chayalim were behind him walking in the other direction. And as he was davening mincha, he saw a, a, a terrorist come out with an RPG, and they stopped him, they shot him. But he could have hit the whole the whole pluga had he not been davening mincha in that direction. So we met him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, yeah, he was fine. I mean, they everything was okay. The terrorist was shot. Yeah, the terrorist was shot. So it was just uh, just incredible to be with these to be with these guys. We gave them some divrehito roots, some words of uh, encouragement, and uh, we davened for them. And, and please, God Hashem, should protect them. And we're still fighting for our lands. Okay, this is uh, I, I even I drew a contrast between Purim and uh, and Sefer Yosh and uh, you know Purim and nowadays that in, in Purim the Jews are fighting, but we're fighting. It's a story of Galut, it's a story of the Jews being in exile, it's a story of us almost being wiped out. But if not for you know the the capriciousness, the the, the sort of of, uh, of you know. Of, Achashverosh says, okay, fine, let them, let them live, you know, and being swayed in this direction or that, so fine. So we, we end up living by a hair's, uh, by, uh, by what's the word, a hair's, uh, a hair's breath, nachon. But otherwise, whereas here, we're fighting for our own country, fighting for our own government, our own people. And that's a very powerful, that's a very powerful thing. Um, so tough. But we will also discuss this. I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about after seeing this chayalim yesterday is, we don't have enough lochamim. We don't. We don't have enough uh, soldiers, and it is something that we will relate to in this uh, in Parak Yud Gimel, which relates to who went out to fight and settling the land. Okay, hold off for Parak Yud Gimel for one moment because we still need to finish off some things from Parak Yud Bet. In Parak Yud Bet, uh, this was the final the list of the kings, the thirty-one kings that Yoshua succeeds at uh, at uh, conquering. And we, we were addressing perhaps the most fundamental question in all of Sefer Yoshua. Is this justified? How do you justify this conquest? Are we no different than any other, you know, conquistadors or whatever it is, or, or, or colonizers? Um, how, do we, how do we justify Yoshua and the people's behavior of wiping out these nations? Okay, conquering them, wiping out the nations. Doesn't the blame belong to them? I mean, our argument, and I'm just going to sharpen the question, our argument has always been, yeah, we have to go back to history. Go back to the texts. Go back to the sources. So we go back to the source. It's true Hashem promised us the, uh, you know, Eretz Yisrael, but 
it was clearly also belonged to other people at some point in time, right? So are we any different than the, uh, how are we any different than any other group who's coming along claiming that it's theirs? Okay, so that's the, that's the question that we, that we raised last week. And um, what we started doing is seeing, if you look throughout the Torah, that the way the Torah looks at the Kananim and the Mitzrim and the seven tribes that inhabit the land of Israel is that it's not just an issue of territory. This is not a territorial dispute. Um, this is an issue of moral versus immoral. Okay, that Hashem, that these are nations that don't live up to God's divine values. These are nations that engage in inappropriate relationships. One second, one second. Okay, we'll get there in a second. Okay, we also have, I have some extra Prozac here if you want in the, uh, okay. But, uh, okay. The, the, uh, um, that this was, the, the, the Canaanites represented a culture that was deeply, deeply immoral, okay? And we know, for example, engaging in Moloch, Moloch is child sacrifice. And engaging in inappropriate relationships with Southern Parshat uh, in, in Vayik or Kedoshim and Achremot. Uh, don't be like Mitzrayim. Don't be like them who in Kemaasei Eretz Mitzrayim or Kemaasei Eretz Canaan. Don't be like them. And it's very clear, again, it's not just that they're the ones who inhabit this land, it's that, that they hold by certain values. Okay? And then I shared with you the Ramban in Sefer. Uh, we touched upon this briefly, which I want to really focus on now. The Ramban in Sefer Vayikra. In Perak Yurchet, Pasuk Kavdalet Kafei talks about how just like Hashem kicks out the nations of the land because they reject his values. But it's not just them. It could also be us. Okay, and that's... So So it's not that like, oh, we're automatically the ones who went out here and just are on the top. No, it's based... It's conditional. It is conditional based on how we behave, based on what we do. Okay, so we're judged by the same criteria as everybody else to some degree. Okay, so the Canaanites were pushed out because of their behavior, but we could also be pushed out because of our behavior. And that's the story of Sodom. Sodom is told you can't be here anymore because you can't be in, under God's watchful eye in Eretz Israel and behave like this. Maybe in some other land you can, but not here. Not here in Eretz Israel. And, um, and Nachon, it's, uh, it's scary because it means that we have a very high values to live up to. And, uh, and the Psukim, and just, to, just to share with you, the language there is, 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 very, is very strong, very potent. This is in Vaigra, um, Perak Yudchet. It says as follows, Everything that, uh, you know, they engage in all these abominations and contaminated land. The land should not uh, don't get to the point where I got to kick you out as well, Hashem says to the, to the Jewish people. You could be cut off as well. Okay, so this is a very severe uh, threat to the Jewish people. <coughs> a second. That's this. Kasher ka'ah. Yeah, it's, it's, these, it's these set of uh, psukim. Um, now, now I want to go back to the first Rashi of the Torah. We all know the first Rashi of the Torah very well, right? right? Who knows the first Rashi of the Torah? No? You do. You know the first Rashi of the Torah. Who would like to tell me what the first Rashi of the Torah is about? 
What's the first Rashi in the Torah about? Hello, first Rashi in the Torah. Okay, I'm going to tell it to you, but you're getting tested on it next week and you can't forget it. Okay? Okay? Remember this first Rashi. Because this first Rashi, a lot of, a lot of what we're saying pivots on this first Rashi. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bereshit, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Take notes. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak said, "Lo haya tzarich la'atchila tatara ela me'achodesh hazelachem rosh chodashim." The Torah didn't need to start from Sefer Bereshit. Start from the mitzvot that we're giving. I'm just waiting for this to go. Uh, wait. Uh, count. Start with the mitzvot that Hashem commanded the Jewish people. The first mitzvah being about Rosh Chodesh. Chodesh is the Chamesh Chodeshim. The book of the Torah is a book of commandments to the Jewish people. Why are you beginning with all, beginning with all these stories in Sefer Bereshit? Shehi mitzvah rishona shenitzavu Yisrael. This is the first mitzvah that Hashem gave to the Jewish people. Umatam patach bebreshit. So why did Hashem open up the Torah with Sefer Bereshit? Mishum. Because, we quote a pasuk from Sefer Tehilim, Kuf Yud Aleph. Koach ma'asav higid la'amo latet lahem nachalat koim. Let me interpret the pasuk. Koach ma'asav, the greatness of God's actions. He was telling, he was sharing with his people. Latet lahem nachalat koim. In order to give them a nachala, inheritance amongst the nations. In other words, Sefer Breshit is the koach ma'asav, God's greatness, in order to give the land of Eretz Yisrael to the Jewish people, okay, amongst the nations. She'im yomru umot ha'olam Israel. if the nations of the world say to the Jewish people, listimatem shekevashtem ha'aratzot shiva goyim. If the nations of the world say, hey, you're thieves, you stole the, the land of the seven nations. Okay, guess what? The nations of the world do say this, okay? They don't quite say that, they say we took it from the Palestinians, fine. Okay, then we answer, okay, then we answer, all the world was, uh, was created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, okay, okay, Hashem created everything, He created it, and He gave it to who He sees fit. By his will, he took it from them. He gave it to them. He took it from them. And then he gave it to us. So what is all of Sefer Breshit about? It's all about, ultimately, the promise of Eretz Yisrael being given to the Jewish people. That is the message of Sefer Breshit. Okay? Now, the... I'll give you two readings of this Rashi. Reading number one is that this is our land. This is it. Hashem gave it to us. That's what Sefer Breshit is about. And I will share with you that Eli Wiesel wrote a small little pamphlet about Rashi, very beautiful pamphlet, where he says, you know, Rashi lived through the First Crusades. He dies in 1105. First Crusades is in 1096. Doesn't write a word about it. He says, this is Rashi's response to the Crusades. Pope Urban II tells the Christians, go and conquer the Holy Land. And then they realize, oh, well, we, we, we're going to kill infidels there. We might as well kill infidels here. They're geniuses, really geniuses, these Crusaders. Okay. 
and uh, and so they wipe out Jewish communities in Germany, but then they go to to you know to Israel. They come here and they they fight with the Muslims. They do conquer the land, but then they lose it eighty seven years later and with Saladin. But the point is, you could see this is this is Hashem saying the land is yours. Okay, this is the now. The other reading of this Rashi is that well, wait a second. Hashem created the world. Hashem gave it to the Kananim, but then took it away from the Kananim. He gave it to us, and maybe he would take it away also. Right? So there's this promise, but the promise is conditional. So we see it throughout Sefer Breshit. And as Jewish history tells us, we didn't always succeed at staying in the land. Right? There was a Chorban number one, and there's Chorban number two. and So that means this Rashi is then... I hope you're not getting uh, acid reflux, Leslie. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 This is exactly what drives Hamas. Yeah, what do you mean? They believe in the holy cause. What do you mean? They believe that we are uh, despicable mm-hmm. people because we don't behave correctly. I don't know if that's what they believe. I think they just that's believe part in... Of it. Know, part of it. I'll send you a podcast. They believe in their, you know... So so this is... Um, this is a significant, uh, you know, Rashi here. Okay, and it dovetails with the Ramban. Again, that we're here on, on condition. Um, reminds me for the... Was anyone here on Sunday night? Sunday evening? Nobody came Sunday uh, evening? No. For the event on Sunday evening with uh, Rachel Goldberg and... And John Poland, were you here for the parents of the, the hostage family? Uh, Hirsch Goldberg Poland? Very, very powerful. I mean, she said explicitly at one point, she said, she said, if we don't learn to get along here, we're going to be doomed. That's the term that she used. We will be, we will be doomed. Um, and she quoted a piece by Menachem, uh, by Mendel Zaks. Um, he has a sefer called Oznaim Latora. He speaks about. Uh, I reserve the right to quote this again. Okay, the uh, but uh, anyway, it's a nice, it's a very nice word. I've seen it in a few contexts, but she quoted it also. The um, that we say, Shalom Hashem, you should make peace. Right? And what do we do? We take three steps back and look to the right and to the left. In order to make peace, we need to move back three steps. Got to look to the right. We got to look to the left. If to you know diminish your ego. I make space for other opinions. So I thought it was a very powerful piece. Yeah. Hmm. It felt like that's, that was the feeling he got after listening. And it was sort of, in a strange way, it was sort of upbeat. I mean, they, they I mean, I mean, it was upbeat. And it, I mean, she was cracking jokes part of the time, right? I mean, this is the mother of a hostage. But she was not, not, they weren't in like inappropriate jokes. They were, they were, she was sharing about her son. She was trying to show you that he was a, a, a living human being, a person, you know, with, with personality, with joy, with life. And that was part of what they were, came here to do was to show, to put a face on, on the hostage families, you know. Hashem Yirachem, Hashem should return all of the hostages. The um, no, this is the first argument that one can make about justification for the conquest that we're dealing with. So number one is that we're dealing with a a very immoral Canaanite society. Okay, and I'll just share with you 
um, some of the um, you know, Michael Hatton's words, which I think he captures it pretty well. He says as follows: It seems, therefore, that the, this is page one seventy six that the consistent condemnation of Canaanite culture that underlies almost every mention of them in the text of the Torah is not a hysterical outburst of xenophobia. Okay, this is not the uh, you know. This is not like the anti-immigrant party or something, okay? Or a calculated demonization paving way for their future extirpation at the hands of the Israelites, but rather a somber assessment of their morally decadent civilization and its ethical failings. To adopt the ways of Canaan is to fall prey to superstition and magic, to become engrossed in immoral cults and rituals to display insensitivity and numbness towards human life's sanctity and worth and to perform every manageable abomination under the heavens, all in the name of the gods. To be gods chosen in contrast means not inherent superiority or unwanted elitism, uh, but rather the burden and responsibility of adhering to a life of ethical self-restraint and spiritual growth. Okay? Um, so it's a powerful... Okay, so that's, that's argument number one. Argument number two is that we can also be kicked out of the land. So in some ways we're in the same... We have the same, um, if you will, uh, you know, situation that they're in. Okay, we hope that doesn't happen. Please, God, it shouldn't. Hashem, please don't let it happen. Okay, uh, but number three is, uh, is, is the way that we engage in war. Now, we did discuss this a little bit, but I do want to just review this piece again because I think it is significant. In Dvarim Perak Kaf, this, is the, this discusses the, the battle for Eretz Yisrael. Okay, and the, sort of the rules of engagement, rules of war. In Varim Parakaf, okay, we have this idea that you are supposed to reach out to all the nations and make peace. Okay, before you, before, sorry, let me just show. When you come close to siege a city, you should call out, make peace. And if they agree to the terms, they will be subservient to you. But you make peace. They could live, and they could live, you know, live their lives. Okay. This is the um, in in Sefer in Sefer Tzvarim. Now Rashi on this location says that this does not apply to the seven nations. Seven nations need to be obliterated. Everybody else, any other nation that you fight with, offer them peace. That's Rashi. However, the Ramban Nachmanides and the Rambam in Hilchot Malachim Paragvav Halachat Dalit point out that, no, making, offering peace is something that we do in every single war. Even to Amalek, by the way. Even to Amalek, we offer Amalek peace. Okay? So, this is another argument here that we're not coming in just as conquerors. We're coming in. Listen, we are, this is our land. We are going to come and take over this land, but you can live here. You can be here. We can make peace with you. Okay? Now, there were some conditions. Okay? The conditions, as the Rambam points out, is that they have to follow the seven laws of, uh, of the Shevim Mitzvah Penei Noach, okay, which are, um, which are basic, basic morality for the most part. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't eat a limb off a torn uh, or living creature, to establish a judiciary, not to blaspheme God, not to murder, not to worship idols. I mean, it's pretty standard stuff that, that if you go out in the world and you say, hey, is it okay to commit adultery? Most people will tell you no. They may do it, but they'll tell you no, right? Okay. Worshiping idols, okay, I mean, you know, cursing God. I mean, most people in the world, whether they're religious or secular, say, hey, that's inappropriate. So they would follow these seven. Establishing a judiciary, 
right? Right? I mean, you know, so the uh, this is something that we is basic agreement upon. And these are the seven laws of, of morality, if you will, basis laws to build the society. And uh, and so so what we see here, the third argument, is that these nations, according to the majority of opinions, were offered peace before being conquered. And we have a proof of that by the Givonim, right? The Jews made peace with the Givonim in the end. Okay, it was deceptive, but we held to that to that deal and even fought for them while the other Canadian tribes tried to wipe them out. Okay? And that's what we saw the, uh, the last two weeks. Now, I see that we're starting to... Uh, people are getting... Dozing off a little bit. So I think we're going to turn off the air conditioning. We're going to turn off the heat. And we're going to turn on the air conditioning. Okay? Should we turn on the air conditioning? Okay. Okay. Yeah, do you want it? We could open up here. Yeah, the, the air is over there, not over here. That's why I so say you guys are... Okay, we're putting everyone to sleep. Okay, that's then. Let there be air. Okay. Okay. Is this just on from the sun? A little bit of sun, but I put this on for. It's only been on for 15, 20 minutes. It hasn't been on. But, uh, yeah, there's heat coming out from there. Yeah. 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 Also, you were all standing out in the sun, so you brought in heat as well, right? So. More human beings in the in the space, also uh, also makes it makes it warmer. So tough. This is Perak Yudbet. We now move on to Perak Yud Gimel. In Perak Yud Gimel, we move from we move towards the second part of Sefer Yehoshua. Now I will warn you that the book's going to f- start flying very quickly because uh, a lot of this has to do with geography and locations and the settling of the land, and it's sort of lists. Although it is an opportunity to learn about the land of Eretz Yisrael in a, in, a, in, a, in a more thorough way. Okay, now. So, Parakid Gimel of Sefer Yehoshua. Okay. Vyoshua Zaken Babayamim. Yoshua is already an old man. He's reached 55 years old. Okay, he's. Uh, okay, okay. Okay. Why, well, everyone, look all over. Okay. Okay, Yeshua Zaken Babayamim, Vayomer Hashem Elav, Hashem says to Yeshua, Ata Zakanta, you're old. You've come in days, meaning you've passed your time, and there's still a lot to conquer and to inherit in the land. The job is unfinished, but Yeshua certainly is not going out to battle anymore. This is the land that is still unconquered. Okay? So talk about focusing on the negative, okay, as opposed to the positive. This is what is not unconquered, uh, not conquered. So the entire, some of these things, I'm, you know, I could tell you where everything is, but not everything, but the, um, okay, the entire coastal plain of Aza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, this is the area where the Plishtim lived, unconquered. In the north, Sidon, okay, that's Tyre. Afeka is also uh, in the, uh, this is all the area in the north. You know what? If you want to take out 
I'll send it again. There's a map that I sent into the group, but I will send it in again, okay, so that everybody can see. Okay. Um, one second. I'm going to send it into the group. Um, okay. So, yeah, I just sent it in. So, so we're talking about, let's try to find everything here. All the area of the plishtim. Okay, that's, you see in the bottom left, everyone see the map? The whole gishuri, I'm not sure where gishuri, does anybody see gishuri? I don't see gishuri. Okay. Okay, the entire coast, the Mediterranean coast, they did not, they did not conquer. Okay, that's number one. Now, um, in the north. You see, Afeka is there in the north. And the area of Tzidon. That whole area, far out there. Oh, the Gishuri. Sorry, you found the Gishuri. The Gishuri is right next to, it's part of the Ramatagolan. You see Gishur? That's by, uh, by um, the Gishuri is by the Kinneret. Okay. Okay, so um, we have an area here, um, uh, not sure where the Aratagivli is, the uh, area of Lebanon, that's up in the north, okay. Mizrach um, Hashemesh, Okay, this is uh, east of the Mibal Gad Tachat Har Charmon. Okay, close to the, the area of Har Charmon. You see where it says Dan? Dan is near Har Charmon. Okay. Um, okay. Kol Yoshvei Ahar Min Alevanon Ad Misirfot Mayim Kol Tzidonim Anochi Oreshem Yibnei Bnei Yisrael Rak Hapilea Li Yisrael Benachalak Asher Tzidivitiha. Okay, so this entire area, Hashem says, I will now. So basically then, but this area, um, south of this, Hashem says, I will um, inherit to the, to the Jewish people. Okay, one second. I'm just opening up um, one thing to see one commentator on this. Okay. So this is Perak Yud Gimel. Okay. And the... Um, one second. Arts Hagivli. What do they say about Arts Hagivli? Rashi says, Uva Metzer Mizrochini Shadich Bosh Mikzoats a phone call of Anon, me Balgadats of a Metzer, Rachamina Mezzer. Okay. Rashi tries to map this out for map this out for us. Okay. But the. Um, one second. Okay, so it sounds like this is still a promise that Hashem says this whole area, um, all the area of the Sidonim, again, this is all up north. Uh, you know, Hashem says, I will at some point uh, take away from the from these nations. Okay? For the sake of Bnei Yisrael. Okay? And, you know, but basically what's going to happen is that he's going to portion it to the Jews even though it's not in our hands yet. Okay, so we go on. 
ואתה חלק את הארץ הזאת בין החלל לתשעת השבטים וחצי השבט מנשה. Now, break up this land, settle it, divide it amongst nine and a half שבטים, אוקיי, nine plus שבט מנשה. Why nine and a half and not twelve? What happened to the other two and a half? Ruven, God of Chatzamina, as you remember, are on the other side of the Jordan. Right? Okay. They took their inheritance. They took from the east of the Jordan. As Moshe promised to them. Okay, um, is Nachal Arnon on here? No, they don't show Nachal Arnon. But from our era, it's a place on Nachal Arnon. Okay, so these are the areas in the eastern Jordan that were given to two and a half uh, tribes, which we've spoken about in the past. And the Gilad, which is the Jordan, Jordan, but to the north. The Gishuri we see is by the Kinneret. The Hamachati. Machati, are they on here? I don't see the Machati. The Chol Harchemon, Machal Bashan Ad Salcha. Komamachot, Mamachut Og, Babashana Shemalach Bashtot of Adre, Huni Shamiatar Afim, Vayakim Moshe Vayoshem. These are all the things that Moshe conquered. So we see continuity here. Moshe conquers the eastern side, gives it to two and a half tribes. Yoshua conquers some of. Good chunk of the western side and gives it to the nine and a half shvatim. Uve edrei, sorry, v'lo rishu bnei sot hakeshuri v'tamachati v'yeshiv keshur maachat v'kerev yisrael adayom azim. The Jews don't succeed at conquering maachat wherever maachat is or geshur. Uh, okay, and they dwell amongst the Jewish people until this day when the sefer is read. Now we get to an important pasuk. Rak. לשבת לוי, פסוק י"ד, רק לשבת הלוי לא נתן נחלה. שבת לוי doesn't get any inheritance. אישי השם אלוקי ישראל הוא נחלתו כאשר דיבר לו. They are like the sanctified ones to Hashem. They are holy to Hashem. Okay, and uh, as Hashem promised, told them that they were not going to get any... Uh, they're like a, an Isha is like a, is like a, um, it's like a fire offering. Okay, they're close, they're kadosh to Hashem. They're fully designated to Hashem. Fire offering means that it's totally burnt on the altar. You're not eating any of the meat. A lot of meat gone to, I don't want to say waste, but a lot of meat that goes uneaten. Okay? That's the, that's the, there is Shevet Levi. Now, why doesn't Shevet Levi, Shevet Levi get a Nachala? Anybody know? Why do they get an inheritance? Shevet Levi, why not? They're working, they're singers, they're workers in the Beit HaMikdash, they're they're the teachers. So how do they have enough money to live on? They would get 10% of everybody else's, you know, produce, right? This is what we call Maaser Rishon. Okay, it goes to the Levi'im Dafka. Okay. Kohanim were, yeah, well, Kohanim get their own 24 gifts, their 24 matznot kuhuna that the Kohanim also received. But, um, but yeah, they would also, they would get a number of things. Yeah. Why is this significant? 
Levi not receiving a portion in the land of Eretz. Does anybody know why this has significance today? Is anybody here married to a Levi or a Levi, a daughter of a Levi? Daughter of Levi? Daughter of Levi? Anybody else? So your son in law is a Levi. Oh, nachas. And your grandsons are Levi. Okay. Why is Levi? Anybody know why Levi is important? I'll give you a little hint. It relates to exemptions from the draft. Of who goes to the army, who doesn't go to the army here in Eretz Israel? Anybody know? Anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay, so let me share with you. I'm just pulling up the source sheet here, um, which has to do with army exemptions, gius latzava in Medinat Israel. Okay? Now, we know that we're told, okay, I'm just going to share with you some psukim. Okay, we saw an example here in Tepi Yeshua. But earlier on in the Torah, okay, it says explicitly, um, Hashem says, Ba'etahi avdil hivdil Hashem et sheva levi, laseta da aron brit Hashem. They have to carry the aron. Lamodifne Hashem lasharto, serve Hashem, ivichulei vichulei. Alkein lo hayal chelek venachala imechav. Lo hayal levi chelek venachala imechav. Therefore, Levi doesn't have a, uh, a portion with the rest of Amisra. Makes sense, right? Because they are, they are God's portion. They're Isheh and Hashem, as we just saw. Okay, I'm just looking for my mouse. And, um, okay, they are Hashem's special nation, special people. The uh, the mouse stole that that stole the cookie. Is it here? The mouse. Well, now someone stole my mouse. I don't know. Maybe someone took it, or I took it. I don't know. Maybe it's under my Hmm. Okay. This other we can we can deal with that mouse. Okay. okay. Now, what happens after this is fascinating, because. We talk about laws of war, and it appears like Shevet Levi also need to fight in, in, in Milchemet Mitzvah. Milchemet Mitzvah is a war of self-defense. Okay, listen to what it says. Hakol yotzin to Milchemet Mitzvah, afilu chatan mechedro, chatan from his, his uh, you know, groom chamber, v'kala mechupata. Even a, I mean, everyone goes to battle, even the men and the women, okay? Not necessarily, necessarily to be lochamim, but to, to go to the battlefront, to be, to be part of the, the effort. Okay, now, the Rambam, though, takes us to a very interesting place. He writes in Hilchot Yovel, Perak Yud Gimel Halacha Yud, Kol Shevet Levi, Muzarin Shalein Chalu Be'eretz Kanan. Everyone in Shevet Levi is commanded, they're not going to settle the land. They don't get an inheritance. V'chein hein Muzarin Shalein Chalu Be'eretz Kanan. They also don't get to take from the spoils of war. V'sha'a Shikov Shinet Te'arim, Shinet Amar Lo Yelakonim Levim, Kol Shevet Levi, Chalek Nachlaim Yisrael. Okay. Now, yearly, she'ein advarim amarim ela be'eretz shenichrata aleh brit la'avram nitzchak Yaakov v'yirshua b'neim v'nitzchak alehem. Aval she'ar kol ha'artzot she'kovesh melech ma'achay yisrael arei akonim le'imim devalot ha'artzot v'fitzan v'chol yisrael. Okay. Rambam says when we say the levim don't get inheritance, that's an eretz yisrael proper. That does not include other far-off lands that the Jews go and conquer. For example, in the time of Shlomo HaMelech, it was the biggest empire we ever had. It wasn't so big, but it was a little bit bigger than what we have now. 
in theory, those lands they can enjoy. Now, Rambam says, Why don't the Levim get a portion in the land of Eretz Yisrael? Because it's their job to serve Hashem, to guide the people, to teach the people, etc. To teach the Rabbim. It says, They are separated from the everybody else. Okay, one second. I just need to check what. Okay, and um, now. And therefore, they don't fight wars or battles like the rest of Am Yisrael. Therefore, they don't get inheritance. They don't receive, you know, part of the spoils. They don't, you know. They are the Chel Hashem. One second, I need to Daughter at home, so we're switching off on the uh, the babysitting for the day. Okay, Elohim Chel Hashem, they are the 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 the, the legions of Hashem. V'hu Baruch Hu Zochel Lahem Shneimar Ani Chalakecha V'Nachalatecha, and you know they're Zochet to have Hashem, and Hashem has them. But listen where the Rambam says, V'Lo Shevet Levi Bilvat, not only Shevet Levi, Ela Kol Ish. Anybody from any Jew, okay? Who is of generous spirit. And he separates himself from the community to just worship Hashem. This is a person who is very, very devout and humble in their Avodat Hashem. And he walks straight. He doesn't have any anything to do with uh, material matters. This person is holy of holies. And this person is their nachalaz with Hashem. He will have everything he needs in this world. Okay. Basically, what, the, what is the Ramam saying? There's the Levim, and it's not just Levim, it's anybody who wants to join the Levim. And if you join the Levim, what does it mean to join the Levim? Well, the Levim, we said, they don't go out to fight. So if you're a really devout religious person, you don't need to go out to fight. That's what you may draw out from this Rambam. And guess who uses this as an argument that they don't need to go to the army? Okay, so the Chayadim. This is one of the sources that's used in this discussion, in this debate. Now, let me share with you some of the holes in this argument. Okay? Okay, number one. Number one, this appears at the end, the last end, in every, the end of every section in the Rambam's Mishnah Torah. He sort of goes a little bit poetic, and he shares a moral, nice idea. It's not clear that this has any halachic weight. It may just be, um, 
you know, it's like, listen, Levi'im are up here. Anyone can aspire to more religiously. Okay, it might not be a halachic text that the Rambam is sharing with us. That's number one. Number two, he brings an example of David HaMelech, like David HaMelech who says, Hashem menat chalki kosi, Well, guess who the greatest fighter was in our history? David HaMelech. Okay, that's number two. Number three is, you have to look at other sources in the Rambam which seem to contradict this. The Rambam says explicitly that a person is not allowed in Nechot Tamut Torah, Paragimel Halacha Yud. He says, Whoever decides that they're going to study Torah and not do any work and receive communal funds, this is a chilul Hashem. It's a desecration of God's name. And you are escorting the Torah. Okay? So, you know, does this mean that, uh, you know, so what does it say about these people who decide to be like Levi'im? Okay? Number four Rav Uziel, Rav Nachum Elias Rabinovich, and other commentators point out, when it says, Lo Urchin Milchama, what it means is, Lo Urchin Milchama, like the other Shvatim who are trying to conquer. They're not part of the conquering, you know, every Sheva we spoke about this in the Tefer Shoftim. Yehuda had to finish conquering their area, and Shimon finishes conquering their area. Okay, so part of the local wars that each of the tribes are fighting to continue settling the land. That's where the Levi'im are not involved. But a milchemet mitzvah, war of self-defense, or a against Amalek, of course they have to be involved. So this is talking, talking about a different type of battle. It's not, your, it's not what Am Yisrael is facing today with Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and all these things. Okay, it's not that. Okay? Now, the, um, so this is a fourth argument. That is uh, that is brought down, okay. So so there's a whole range of, of you know of of of, of sources related to this uh, to this topic. Um, the um, I'll share with you I'll share with you one final piece which is really powerful. Ravaren Lichtenstein. Okay, let me just pull this up. It's, it's such a powerful piece. You gotta you gotta hear the actual words. Okay, um, Ravaren Lichtenstein, who's my Rosh Hashiva from from the Gush Nachon, wrote an article called. The ideology of Hezder. Okay? And he talks about, Hezder is where you do this, you know, it's uh, where you do this partial learning, and then, okay, and, um, sorry. Sorry, control find. Okay, one second. Let me just go to the bottom of this document. Okay. The um, so he writes as follows. So he talks about the basis for Hezder. Okay, and um, one second. such a beautiful piece where he basically says can anybody you know um, you know my Google Drive is not searching anything basically says can anybody look at themselves in the mirror okay and uh, you know and 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 say I hear one second I think I have it here can anyone look at themselves in the mirror and 
Ah, here we go. Oh, okay. Can anyone look at them themselves in the mirror and say, ha, I am holy of holies. That's the language the Rambam used. I am holy of holies, and therefore I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. He says, you've got to be pretty sure of your, your spiritual excellence to be able to say that, to take yourself out of the, you know, the cloud, to make that statement. That is not what's happening in the Haredi community, where anybody who happens to wear a black yarmulke, okay, is uh, is automatically you know patur from going to the army, which is a crazy thing. All you need to do is claim that you're Haredi, and then you know go to the army, and that's uh, you know it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy situation. But um, tough. We're gonna stop here, okay. This is the uh, okay. We got to Yud Gimel Tet okay, okay. Yud Gimel and uh, we're going to talk about Kaled Ben Yufinet next week, okay? Please, guys. So, we're going to stop here. Yom Tov Lekulam Shkach.